Well, good morning. So excited to be with you once again as we continue in our series 242, which comes out of Acts chapter 2, verse 42, where it says that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, that they were devoted to doing life together, breaking bread with one another, that they were devoted to prayer, being a people of prayer. And I believe that we desire that here at Gateway as well, don't you? That we want the, the word of God to, to shape us and mold us. There's spiritual formation, discipleship. We also want to hashtag do life together, be committed to being there for our fellow brothers and sisters. And that we also want to be a people of prayer where we take a posture of prayer. Oh, we need prayer these days. We need to be lifting one another up. So as we begin our conversation this morning, I would invite you to grab that cup of coffee, grab your Bibles, grab your tablets. If you're listening to us by other means on social media, podcasts, uh, wherever you are, uh, we just like to uh, invite you in to be a part of this conversation. If you don't have a regular place to worship, we'd love to invite you to come and be a part. Our conversation today is, is titled No Favorites. And we're going to take a look at that. We're going to unpack that here in just a moment. We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 10, um, verses 23 through 43. But as we take a look at that, we also want to realize and continue as we're looking as Luke is leading us through this journey, through the book of Acts, through the Acts of the Apostles and, and the events, uh, the growth of the, of the early church. We want to be reminded that, that the redemptive story no matter how many attempts there are to thwart it or to derail it or to shut it down, that, that God is always moving, that, that God is, is always bringing people in to the fellowship, to the koinonia, to the way, to the church. And so if you have your Bibles, if you have your tablets, let's, let's open up the word to Acts chapter 10. And we're going to begin with verse 23. But I want to, before I do that, I want to preface and say that this last week we took a look at Acts chapter 10, the first part of that, verses 1 through 16. And we broke that down really into that narrative into, into two scenes. Um, one where there was Cornelius and he received this, this message um, from the Lord. And uh, he was told to, to summon Peter who was found in Joppa. And then Peter, while he was in Joppa, he received a, a, a message from the Lord. And if you remember that conversation we talked about, but as Peter was pushing back, as he was told to, to take of, of the food that had been afforded him, he pushed back and said, absolutely not. It's, it's unclean. It's considered detestable. And the, the messenger of the Lord said, do not call unclean what God has, has called clean. And so we find ourselves here now with this text in verse 23, uh, where Cornelius has sent messengers to Joppa to summon Peter to come back to his home and, uh, and to talk about the redemptive story, to talk about what it means to, to further uh, one's relationship um, with the Heavenly Father. So will you read this along with me? We're looking at Acts chapter 10, beginning with verse 23. It says, they said, Captain Cornelius... A God-fearing man, well-known for his fair play, asked any Jew in this part of the country, was commanded by the holy angel to get you. So the messengers that now come to Peter, Cornelius' messengers, 
to get you and to bring you to his house so that he could hear what you had to say. Peter invited them in and made them feel at home. Verse 23, the next morning he, he got up and he went with them. Some of his friends from Joppa went along. A day later they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and he had his relatives and a number of his close friends waiting with him. The minute that Peter came through the door, Cornelius was up on his feet and he was greeting him. And then he was down on his face, the, the scriptures tell us, worshiping him. Peter pulled him up and said, none of that. I, I'm a man and I'm only a man. I am no different from you. Verse 27, taking, uh, talking things over, they, they, they went on into the house where Cornelius introduced Peter to everyone who had come. Peter addressed them. He said this, you know, I'm sure that this is highly irregular. Jews just don't do this. Visit the, and relax with people of another race. Cornelius was, was a Gentile. But God has just shown me in that, through that vision, verses 1 through 16, that, that no race is, is better than any other. So the minute that I was sent for, I came. No questions asked. But now I'd like to know why it is, Cornelius, that you have sent for me. Cornelius then shared the vision, the message that, that he had received from God. Four days ago, about this time, mid-afternoon, I was home praying. Suddenly there was a man right in front of me, flooding the room with light. And he said this, he said, Cornelius, your daily prayers and your neighborly acts, they, they, they have brought you to God's attention. One, one translation says that, that, that what you have done before God has brought a memorial before God. I want you to, to send to Joppa to, to get Simon, the one that they call Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner down by the sea. Verse 33, so I did it. Cornelia, uh, uh, Peter, I sent for you, and, and you've been good enough to come. And now we're all here. We're here in God's presence, ready to listen to whatever the master put in your heart to tell us. Peter fairly exploded with, with this good news. And he began, friends, to share of the redemptive story. He said, it's God's own truth. Nothing could be plainer. God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or, or where you're from. If you want God and you are ready to do as it says, as he says, the door is open. The message he sent to the children of Israel, that through Jesus Christ, everything is being put together again. Well, he's doing it, he's, and he's doing it everywhere, among everyone. Can you just uh, imagine Peter's excitement, his enthusiasm, his passion? I, I think back to, to chapter 2, when, when he was there with, the, with all of those that were gathered, the passion that stirred in his heart to tell them about the redemptive story. And now he, he has a different group of people. A number of them have gathered in Cornelius' home, and Cornelius being a Gentile. And here is this, this passion that is stirring. Peter realizes that Cornelius is a, is a brother in Christ. And Peter goes on in verse 37. You know the story of what happened in Judea. It began in Galilee after John preached it, a total life change. Then Jesus arrived. Jesus from Nazareth, anointed by God with the Holy Spirit. He was ready for action. He went through the country, helping people, healing people, healing everyone who was, who was beat down by the devil. He was able to do this because God was with him. Verse 39, and we saw it. We saw it all. 
everything he did in the, in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem where they killed him. They, they hung him on a cross. But in three days, God lifted him up alive and, and out where he could be seen. Not everyone saw him. He wasn't put on public display. Witnesses had been, had been carefully handpicked by God. But, and, and then Peter says, and that was some of us. We were there. We were the ones there to, to eat and, and to drink with him after he came back from the dead. He commissioned us to, to announce this in public, to, to bear solemn witness that he is, in fact, the one who God destined as judge of the living and the dead. But we're not alone in this. Our witness that, that he is, is the means to forgiveness of sins, is backed up by the witnesses of, of, of all of the prophets. What, what a gathering there in Cornelius' home that afternoon. The excitement that, that was expressed. As we take a look at the, uh, at the text, as we, we unpack this conversation here today, the subject matter being that, 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 that there are no favorites. We need to take a look once again. We need to take a look and realize that, that God's redemptive story is on the move. That it cannot and it will not be derailed. That it cannot and it will not be thwarted. Again, looking back to, to scene one, we, we have this guy by the name of Cornelius. Cornelius is a, is a Gentile. He, he, he's not Jewish. He's a Roman officer. Look at verse two in that text. Go back just a, a few verses there. He's the captain of the guard. The text tells us that, that he's a good man. We looked at this this last week. Do you remember? That he's a leader by vocation. That he's a, a seeker of the truth. That he's a generous man. Always helping others in need. And the text, when we unpacked it this last week, he helped a number of Jewish people that were there in his community. People that were in need. He, he wasn't biased by, by who he chose to help and those that he chose not to. He was a very giving man. It was, he was also one that was very devoted to prayer. And we saw where how he lived his life was a memorial to God, that it got God's attention. Scene two, look at verse nine quickly. In Joppa, Peter, he goes up on the roof to pray as, as was the fashion of many back in the day. And there was this vision that he had of this, this blanket that, that had every kind of animal, reptile, and, and birds that, that you could imagine. And look at verse 13 there. And there was a voice that said, go to it, Peter. Go to the blanket. Go to it and, and, and kill and eat. Uh, basically, uh, take and quench the hunger that, that you have. Do, do you remember that conversation from this last week? And then look at verse 14. Peter responded by saying, absolutely not. This food is not clean. And then verse 15, the messenger of God said, never consider unclean what God has made clean. And then in verse 17, we see where, where messengers were sent by Cornelius to, to, to go and to, to get Peter and, and to bring him back. And then in verse 22, Verse 22, the messengers tell Peter, we've come on behalf of Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous man, a, a God worshiper who is well respected by all Jewish people. A holy angel directed him, Peter, to, to summon you to his house so that, so that he can, so that we can hear what you have to say, what God has laid on your heart. And now we've arrived at today's text, verse 23, and it tells us that Peter went he went immediately as soon as he was summoned. A day later, after, after a, a long day's travel, he arrived at the home of Cornelius. 
He was anxiously, Cornelius was anxiously awaiting them. Look at verse 25. The minute that Peter came through the door, Cornelius was up on his feet and he was greeting Peter. And then he was down at the feet of Peter to show him honor and respect. And then verse 26, Peter, in his, in his own comment, said, Cornelius, please get up. I am, I am only human. Verse 27, that Cornelius introduced Everyone that was gathered there, all that he invited to meet Peter, he introduced them all. And then in verse 28, Peter then said to those that were gathered, you know, I, I am sure that, that this is highly irregular. Jews are forbidden to associate with outsiders. In other words, he was reflecting back to a point of reference where Jews and Gentiles, they, they didn't gather together. But when the messenger told Peter in his vision, do not call unclean what God calls clean, that prohibition, family, friends, church, that prohibition was broken. That, 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 the, that the old law, if you will, the old covenant was broken. And now there's this new covenant. And Peter is being told to share the redemptive story. And it's good for one and all that we can all gather at the table. And one day church family and friends one day for those of us that believe one day for those of us that have accepted christ into our life and the, the redeeming blood that was shed for us on the cross if we accept that one day all of us can you just imagine can you just imagine the the mosaic this beautiful picture that will be that will be painted there and portrayed that will all be invited at god's table in heaven for all of eternity. I can't wait to experience that. But in verse 28, Peter says, you know, I'm sure that this is highly irregular. Jews are forbidden to associate with outsiders. However, God has shown me. He has revealed to me that, that I should never call a, a, an impure person or excuse me, a person impure or unclean. Did you catch that, friends? We talked about this this last week. We talked about how Peter was in the classroom, how he was having these teachable moments, how, how God was through the, through, through the word, through the redemptive story, was, was shaping him and teaching him and molding him and telling him, make me known, Peter. Make me known. Know me and, and to make me known. And I believe that that's our instruction. That's our commission. Matthew 28, that, that we are to go into the world. That we are to, to know God and we are to make him known. As a believer, we are called to be obedient and surrender to the redemptive story. Do you remember a time when the, the Lord asked you to, to come and follow? Uh, did, did you move? Did, did you move in the right direction? Did you find yourself or are you finding yourself negotiating that? Maybe even now in this moment that, that, that God is drawing you, that the Holy Spirit is calling you and you're negotiating that. You're trying to figure out if, it, if it's convenient or not, if it's the right time or not. Do you ever find yourself more concerned about what others might think or what others might say? Do you find that you're more concerned about what you might have to give up in which to do so? Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. Another day, a man stopped Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to, to have eternal life? And Jesus said, Why do you question me about what is good? God is the one who is good. If you want to enter the life of God, just do what the scriptures tell you. Do what God tells you to do. 
The man asked, well, what is it in particular? And Jesus said, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie. Honor your father and your mother and love your neighbor as yourself and, and, and going on. But the young man said, I've done all of these things, so what is left? In verse 21 of that text, if you want to give, if you want to give, give it with, with all that you got, Jesus responded to him. Jesus replied, go sell all of your possessions, give everything to the poor, all of your wealth will then be in heaven and then come and follow me. That was the last thing the young man expected to hear. And so crestfallen, he, he walked away. He was holding so tightly, friends, to, to a lot of things and he couldn't bear to, to let that go. Friends, we are called to be obedient. We are called to surrender, to surrender to the Holy Spirit, to surrender to the willingness, uh, to the willing of what God has and desires for each of our lives. When the Lord said, pick up your cross and follow me, please hear me. He never said, unless you don't find it accommodating or convenient. I'm going to say that again. When the Lord said, pick up your cross and follow me, he never said, unless you don't find it accommodating or convenient. William, William Cruza said, and I quote, Christianity can never come to us as a bargain. It can never be had at a wholesale price. We must be willing to, to pay the full price of surrender and then trust. Eugene Cho says, and I quote, we're often attracted to a gospel that, that comforts us, but are rarely compared by a gospel that disrupts us. In reality, the gospel does both because we need both. End quote. Church, we are here. We are here to bring people into a relationship with Jesus and to help them to maintain that. It's, it's not about us. It, it, and it never should be. It's, it's God first. It's about us being used of God to help others, others follow the way of the Lord. First John chapter 2, verse 15. Don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out the love of the Father. Practically, everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. The world and all of its wanting and wanting and more wanting, it, it, it's on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. Someone said, don't try to be the best on the team. Try to be the best for the team. Someone said, and I quote, if we're not feeling anguish over people's eternal state in ordering our lives around praying for and, and trying to find ways to, to bring the gospel to them, we are being lulled to sleep by the devil's soothing strength. It's time to start fasting. It's time to start praying and pleading with God on, on one another's behalf. We are being called to, to wake up and to seek kingdom purpose. Jesus was all about bringing others into the kingdom. In Luke 9-11, Jesus welcomed them and, and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. These are the things that, that I could just imagine Peter that day that afternoon in Cornelius' home with that assembly expressing and sharing of the redemptive story, the power of the Holy Spirit, the goodness of God, the redemptive story that can take a broken life. 
that can take a broken life and, and bring it back together again. And friends, please, maybe this is for, for just you to hear today. But no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, God wants to draw you near to him. He wants to call you beloved. He wants you to know that the, the blood that was shed for you on that hill called Calvary 2,000 plus years ago, that, that it's redeeming, that it, it is it's reconciling to him, to your father, to your creator. And he will walk with you step by step. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus was all about bringing others into the kingdom. And we need to be about kingdom purpose. Luke 9, 11, Jesus welcomed them to the kingdom and he spoke to, the, to, to each one about the kingdom of God. N.T. Wright says, we're made for spirituality. We, we wallow in, in, in introspection. We're made for joy, but we settle for pleasure. We're, we're made for justice. We clamor for vengeance. We're made for relationship, but we insist on having our way. We're made for beauty. We are satisfied with sentiment. But, but new creation has already begun. The sun has begun to rise. Christians are called to, to leave behind in the tomb of Jesus Christ all that belongs to the brokenness and the incompleteness or the present world. It's time in the power of the Spirit to, to take up our proper role our fully human role as agents, as heralds and stewards on the new day that is dawning. And then he adds that quite simply is what it means to be a Christian, to follow Jesus Christ into the new world, God's new world, which he has thrown open before all of us. The Pharisees were all over Jesus. They were very critical of him because he was he was failing to observe the, the distinction between the so-called righteous and, and those who were the so-called sinners and, and the outsiders. Toby Mack says, and I quote, someone somewhere is depending on you to do what God has called you to do. Look at verse 29 in our text quickly. Peter said, God has shown me Cornelius and friends, God has shown me that no race is better than any other. So the minute that I was sent for, I came. No questions asked. Cornelius told Peter that God's messenger told him to send for him. So now we're seeing this alignment. We're seeing the, 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 this ordained movement, this act, this coming together of God and how it is impacting not only two men and a new friendship, but also those that are in audience. So I've looked at verse 33. So Cornelius did as instructed. The text tells us that Cornelius thanked Peter and, and then shared that, that now we're all in God's presence. We're all in God's presence. We're ready to listen to you, Peter. Share whatever the Lord has placed on your heart. That is so exciting. Look at verse 34. It tells us that Peter exploded with the good news. He shared the redemptive story. Peter said, it's God's own truth. Nothing could be plainer. God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or, or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, church family, friends that are, that are viewing here this morning, those of you that are listening in, the door is open. The door is wide open for you to restore, to reconcile. For you to, to come into relationship with God, maybe for the very first time. 
Peter adds in verse 36, the message that God sent to the children of Israel, that through Jesus Christ, everything is being put together again. He's doing it everywhere, among everyone. Look at verse 39. You know the story of what happened in Judea. This is Peter still talking to those gathered. You know the story of what happened in Judea. It began in Galilee after John preached a total life change. Then Jesus arrived. He came on the scene from Nazareth and anointed by God with the Holy Spirit. And he was ready for action. He went through the country helping people and healing everyone who was beaten down by the devil. He was able to do all of this because God was with him. Verse 39. And we saw it. We saw all of it. Everything that he did in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem where they killed him. Where they hung him on a tree. Where they hung him there on that cross. But in three days, I could just imagine the passion that was stirring in Peter. I could just imagine the arena of my mind. He's looking around and he's having eye contact with everybody that's there in the room. But in three days, God had him up. God had him up alive and out where he could be seen. Not everyone saw him. He wasn't put on public display. Witnesses had been carefully handpicked by God beforehand. And he said, and, and that was us. We were the ones, we were there to eat and to drink with him after he came back from the dead. He commissioned us to, to go and to announce this in public. To, to, to bear solemn witness that, that he is in fact the, the one who God destined as judge of the living and the dead. But we're not alone in this. We're not alone in this. Our, our witness that, that he is the, is, is the means the means to forgiveness of sins is backed up by the witness of all of the prophets. N.T. Wright says, we're all invited, summoned, actually to discover through following Jesus that, that this new world is indeed a place of justice, spirituality, relationship, and beauty. Oh, can you imagine that? Right now, our, our, our society, uh, the world in which we reside is crying out for this, to discover through following Jesus that, that this new world is indeed a place of justice and spirituality, relationship, and beauty, and that we not only to, to enjoy it as such, but to work at bringing it to birth on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus knew that everyone needed to repent. Jesus came to be in fellowship. We too are called to be in fellowship, hashtag to, to do life together, to, to break bread with one another, to, to reach out into the world around us where we reside, to, to help others humbly acknowledge, humbly acknowledge their need for and to receive God's gracious forgiveness. Oh, friends, church, the world needs Jesus. They need to hear the redemptive story. We need to rise up. We need to be a people of character. We need to be less concerned about our comfortability or our familiarity. And we need to draw close to his word. Oh, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Oh, they were devoted. Let it be said of Gateway. Let it be said of those that are watching here today that we are devoted, committed to the word of God, allowing it to shape us and to mold us. Look at verse 44 quickly. No sooner were these words out of Peter's mouth than the Holy Spirit came on the listeners. Can you just imagine that moment in Cornelius' home? 
Friends, we, we believe in the Holy Spirit, the third person of, of the triune God, that, that he is ever present, that he is ever present and acting in and with the church of, of, of Christ, convincing the world of sin, regenerating those who repent and believe, sanctifying believers and guiding in all truth as it is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Henry Blackaby says that I quote, we must understand that the hand of God through the Holy Spirit wields power in a Christian's life. We, we may be common or ordinary in the eyes of men, but when Christians are filled, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, God can bring down strongholds through our lives. Did you hear that, church? Through the Holy Spirit, God can bring down strongholds through our lives. And Blackaby adds, when the church is filled, when the church is filled with the Holy Spirit, God can turn a world upside down. Someone said, and I quote, Jesus once and forever sealed in the defeat, the defeat of the evil one by his death and by his resurrection. And has described in his infallible word, his infallible word, the very details of the final battle of this war. God has abundantly provided his church, his church with power to win daily skirmishes. Are you, are you hearing this church? That the, the word of God is so powerful and so moving that it can give us instruction. It can give us guidelines. It can keep us going. It can keep us motivated. It can keep us motivating others to spur one another on through the Holy Spirit, through the word of God to keep on going through the daily skirmishes that the enemy would throw at us to try to discourage us, distract us, try to fragment us, try to de destroy us or to bring us down. The, the, the very word of God, God has commissioned the church to fight and he has promised her power as a guarantee to victory. There's victory in Christ. There's victory in the cross of which he died. There is victory in the very breath, the infallible word of God. The church must be a people that don't compromise their confession. Henry Blackaby says, and I quote, the Holy Spirit will never work contrary to the Father's will. The Holy Spirit is never free to work where sin and unbelief are present. The Holy Spirit works where God's name is honored. The Holy Spirit chooses to work through the local church. Those that gather together, those that take a posture of prayer, those that seek the very word of God and allow it to transform their lives. Those that are willing to do life together, whether it's good or bad, whether we disagree or not, we come together, we're unified in the Holy Spirit. N.T. Wright says, seems that we humans were designed to, to find out purpose and meaning, not simply in ourselves and in our own inner lives, but in one another and in the shared meanings and purposes of a family, a street, a workplace, a community, a town, a nation. Is the Holy Spirit welcomed in your life today? Do you allow the Lord to lead you or are you trying to, to lead and live this life on your own? If you're, if, if you're away from the Lord here today, if there's a broken relationship, right now is the perfect time to seek restoration. Right now is the perfect time to call upon the name of the Lord, to seek Forgiveness to seek his grace to, to seek mercy 
Now is the perfect time. It's the time to which you've been waiting for. It's the time that, uh, of which you've been seeking. Maybe you don't realize that. But maybe now is the time. I know it's the time for you to give up control. As you're trying to control situations. You're trying to control your life. And now give it to the one who loves you. And the one who desires to be in relationship with you. Oh, I love the lyrics. God of salvation. You chased down my heart through all of my failure and pride. On a hill, you created the light of the world, abandoned in darkness to die. And as you speak, and as you speak, a hundred billion failures, a hundred billion failures disappear. I would encourage you this morning as you have heard this message. To be reminded that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. That they were devoted to com and committed to doing life together. That they were committed, devoted to being a people of prayer. Will you pray with me here this morning as we conclude? Father God, we come before you. We thank you for the opportunity through this means to gather together wherever we may find ourselves, to hear your word, to be able to, to, to have this conversation, to unpack these texts. Lord, help us to realize that you love us and that you care for us. That, Lord, no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, that you're willing to draw us close to you and in your soft-spoken voice, call us your beloved. We simply just have to move. We simply just have to, to receive that precious gift that you have given us, that, that spilt blood on that hill called Calvary 2,000 plus years ago. To receive and accept the, 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 the love that was extended to us on that old rugged tree. Lord, I would just ask that if there is one or a many that have heard this message today, that, Lord, if there's been a prompting of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, as Peter described to Cornelius and those that were assembling there that day, that if there's been a prompting of the Holy Spirit to come back or a prompting of the Holy Spirit to, to begin a relationship with you, God, I would ask that that would take place now. Oh, Lord, we love you. Oh, Father God, we thank you for all that you do. For all that you continue to do and all that you will do in each of our lives. In your precious and gracious name, Lord, amen and amen.